Well, I just you click up the Empowered when you get to it. We are in our series Empowered, and Empowered really simply is about this. God wants to move through you to make a difference, like we're talking about with Kelly, like we're talking about with Amy, like so many people in this church are experiencing. God wants to move through you to do what he wants to do, and that's what Empowered is all about. And we're taking a long time to do Empowered because we need to. But I want to say that in the middle of that, we're doing these little mini-series, and one of them is called Essentials. And that's the one that we're on right now. And you'll notice that these essentials, this brochure that's in your packet, or actually it's in the, your seat front. And you can pick that up and look at it, and then you can put it back, and it saves us paper from having to reprint and so on. But the bottom line is these essentials, the same thing that's on the banner over there. So it's Sunday morning church, small groups and serving on the upper line, and then devotionals threefold and outreach on the lower line. And the point is, is these are the things that we're saying, when a person really gets close to Christ, when they're really, not close to Christ, when a person gets Christ-centered, what happens is, is that these are the things that just normally happen in their life, okay? So we call them essentials because we've boiled what being, you know, Christ-centered is about, and it comes down into these kinds of things, all of it having to do really with love. And the fact is, is that as we love him, heart, mind, soul, and strength, there's just things that happen in our life, and they are these essentials and all the things that come out of that. So that's what we're pressing in on for a few weeks right here. And this week, the one that we're at is small groups. And ushers, thank you for coming forward. I, I need everybody to have two things in your hands for this sermon. One is one of these connect cards. Like if you picked up a packet, you get one of these, but the other person needs one too. So, could, so ushers, could you raise your hand if you don't have one of these? And also, if you don't have your own small group brochure, the thing that looks like this, okay? Just raise your hand, and we're going to give, I want everybody to have their own copy of these, okay? You get the point? All right? So just keep your hands up, and they'll be coming back to you, and thank you guys very much for doing that. Now, go ahead, by the way, while I'm talking, and fill out just the top lines of that Connect card. Just put your name and your number, and you'll see why that's important in a little bit. All right. Now, a few weeks ago, end of August, I had been gone for an extended period of time. And when I was coming back, I was asking the Lord, what is it that you want me to do when I come back? And I kind of thought that sermon was just going to be a kind of a one-off because it was the middle of August and then we were doing, you know, the big church thing that we did in the park. And so I was just kind of thinking it'd be its own little standalone one-off and wouldn't have to do with anything else. And instead what God did was is he just started putting on my heart that there was a deeply prophetic sermon that I was supposed to do. And, and I finally became, I was saying, God, this is so good. I don't want to do it in August. I want to do it in September when everybody's back and we're all oriented to it and so on. But he said, no, do it here. Because it's providing the foundation of what I'm trying to do through all of essentials. And I, I want to just say that sermon was about looking at a church through new eyes. When we look at a church, we have a tendency, we just do, whether you work in the church world or whether you're a congregant, you know, member of the body, or whether you're just even in the world. When you look at a church, just that name, church, you tend to think of an organization, right? And when you tend to think organizationally, you just sort of, it's, we know that a church isn't a corporation, and it would be bad if it was a corporation. Not that there's anything bad with corporations, but a church is supposed to be something different. We know that. But we still tend to look at it in sort of an organizational way that is close to corporate. And so consequently, a lot of churches, us included, will do business books in order to learn how to do things better. 
But what we did in this sermon was is that we contrasted that idea of looking at a church like we do as a sort of corporate entity versus how God actually looks at a church. And what he's seeing when he sees a church is he's seeing a family. And what we did is we compared and contrasted what a corporate, just let me give you an example so you can get a, a feel for it. When you think about a church in a corporate mentality, what's, what's, the, what's a corporation's fundamental purpose and, and essence and what it's trying to accomplish? What's it trying to accomplish? Profit. Make money, right? If it makes money, it can continue, and, and it does good things. It pays people salaries and all that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong that I'm talking about on this corporate thing. It's a wonderful thing that we have corporations that pay salaries and let people have livings and get their talents and even can be very purposeful and so on. So nothing bad about it. But the point is, if you think fundamentally about what a corporate's fundamental, most primary instinct is, if you can say a corporation has an instinct, it is that it makes profit. And in order to make a profit, it can, as we've seen many times before, it can totally shift its mission. It was making one product and doing one thing in the world, but it found something else it could be more profitable at, and it, so it found a way to get into it, and it gets into that sector, and it totally changes what it's all about, what it's doing in order to make this money. Not only that, but the people in a corporation are, again, I, I, I want to say this carefully, but they're expendable, right? If there's somebody who's not doing a good job, you fire them. And you get somebody in who's going to do a better job. And you want to get the best possible people in there to do the best possible job of making money so that it survives and jobs are made and people have careers and they have some purpose and so on, right? This is an important principle in business. A business that doesn't fire people is going to go broke. Now, contrast that, though, with a family. What's the fundamental instinct of a family? What's its fundamental purpose? What's it there to do? What's it totally oriented to doing? Not just take care, more than just take care. Raise them up. What a family does, and thank you for that, Noah, but what a family does is it raises up each individual. Watch this. A family's mission never changes. A family's mission is always to raise up the people. It doesn't suddenly get another idea and become something different. Now, some dysfunctional families do. <laughs> that would be dysfunction. Right? But the point is, is that what a family does is, is it's trying to raise up the people. And here's another key to it. The members of the family are not expendable. <laughs> Unless you're really in a dysfunctional family. I mean, no family fires one of the kids and rehires somebody else. Right? Because that's not what it's about. It's about making the very most out of every single individual in that family. That's why it exists. And that is what a church is supposed to do. Every person is extremely precious in God's sight. And a church's orientation is not to function for its own self and the perpetuation of its own self. It is to function in the light of raising up every single person. And we have done very well at that, and we have done very poorly at that, as has every church. But the point is, you see how different it is to look at these entities in a different way. Now, if I had to sort of illustrate, here's what's going on. I told you we did this sermon about this family, corporate versus family, and I told you I thought that was prophetic, and one of the ways that I know that it was 
was because anytime God really says something here, I mean, really, it's uh, hopefully he says something every week, but anytime he's trying to sort of really get something down deep inside of us, what I'll find is, is for weeks afterwards, even months afterwards, people will come up with me from what's happening inside of them based on what God planted in them from that word. So, for example, just one minor example, it happened three times last week, but just one of the examples is Wanda Fisher, who is on staff, but this idea has really caught her. And so she came into my office and started talking to me about some ideas that she has about how we could rejigger things and what we should be doing instead of what we are doing and so on. And at one point in the conversation, she just said this extraordinary thing. I had to stop her and record it so that I'd remember it for the sermon. But what she said was, she said, I just think we need to look at everything we're doing in this family way. I think we look at every level and everything that we're doing, we need to relook at it. And C has a corporate organizational mentality crept in, or is it really about raising up people? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Now, if I had to use an analogy to really bring that home, I, I want to show you something. This is this is a backyard pool, a koi pond. My brother uh, had a koi. This is not his, but he had a koi pond. He actually became the. He's so obsessive. He became the koi pond uh, president of all koi growers in. And, and actually patented a new way to filter water. This guy's so genius. He's unbelievable. He's probably watching. And Jim, I love you. But, but the point is, is he had, he had that's a, like a really small koi pond. He had a magnificent thing. But anyway, the point is, is, when you look at that, that's pretty, right? I mean, just on its own, that's pretty. And so you see the water there, and you see that there is something underneath the water. But do notice something in terms of the analogy. There is a kind of a glare that's coming from the world that does cause us to see mostly what's on the surface, a little bit underneath, but mostly what we look at is on the surface. But if I get a really good pair of sunglasses, and I put them on and they have polarized in them, right, so that it blocks that thing, then this is that same koi pond. Now you see how much more beautiful that is? Just, just to show you side by side. See, this is how we look. This one over here. This is how we see things when we look with our eyes. There is a glare from the world that causes us to think that we see the whole thing. And it's beautiful. It's good. It's fine. But when we stop and put on God's glasses and start looking afresh, we start seeing something so much more beautiful. And here's the point. We are supposed to be building from that. That is supposed to capture our hearts. This thing that God is doing is so much richer and deeper and more colorful and more beautiful that that's the thing that now inspires us. And that's the place from which we build everything that we build. Now, I want to say this is what I think the Lord has been doing with all of these essentials. We looked at Sunday morning church in, a couple of weeks ago, and what we noted was is that Sunday morning church, what we think of is, it's a time to get together and sing some songs and hear a word from the Lord, and that's good. But when we look deeper, what we see is, is what God's actually trying to do is he's saying, there is this kingdom that is of the world, this reality that has to do with the physical creation, but then there's this deeper spiritual reality that he wants to have manifested in the world. 
And what happens is, is when we really start seeing what God wants, when we really start being a true church the way he sees it, this family that's going after and really going after the things of the kingdom, not the things of this world, when we do that, suddenly these things of the kingdom start manifesting in the world in ways that everybody can go, wow, I want a pair of those glasses. <laughs> See, I want to start seeing that way because that's more beautiful, that's better than anything, no matter how good it was over here. We looked at serving. And what we said was, is when we think of serving, we think about the fact we need to set up chairs, and thank you for that. But what we did is we looked at it, and we said, if you start understanding serving in the true light, not a, not a sort of marketing light, but in the true light of what God wants to do is bring this kingdom and manifest it, that what happens when we're serving the story of the 5,000 being fed by five loaves and two fish, all of a sudden what happens when we're really going after the things of the kingdom, God can take something as simple as passing out food and cause it to become one of the most fundamental things in all the disciples' life. The one story, the feeding of the 5,000 with just two, two fish and five loaves, that story becomes fun, so fundamental to every disciple it's found in every gospel. And in the, almost the same way, which indicates something about the impact of it. So you see, what, you see what's going on? I think God is trying to get us in all of these things to start saying, what do you see when you look at it? And then ask the question, what, am, what do I see? What does God see? See? And go after that deeper fundamental thing. So today, we're going to do that with small groups. And here's what I want to tell you. When we think about small groups, I think we think about, you know, fellowship and learning something and so on. And I think that when we think about getting involved in a small group, maybe we have before, maybe we haven't before, but we think, you know, I, I would kind of like to do that, but I'm busy, and maybe I do it, and maybe I don't, and whatever, and it's just kind of an optional thing. I want to tell you that by the time you get done understanding what it is that God's trying to do in a small group, something I've never heard before, when you understand what He is trying to do, I think you'll say, I need that. I have to have that in my life. This is critical. This is essential. So that's where we're going today. Uh, oh, Rick Curtin, this is, what a great choice. God always does this. He has just the right person pray, too. Uh, curtains, uh, they're going to be featured prominently here, not just curtains, but the group that we were involved in. Tammy's sitting right next to him. But would you stand up, pray for the sermon, pray that God gets across what he wants to get across here, and pray for another church, Rick. Thank you. Lord, I just thank you for this place and for these people, and I thank you for how I am uh, personally touched uh, deeply by people who care around here and I thank you for what you are teaching us in the essentials thank you that you were the one who puts these things in our hearts Father and you inspire us to follow you in new ways so I thank you for what you want to teach us this morning and where you were taking us in this whole this whole series I also pray Lord for Northwest Community Church in Bothell Amen. And I just pray, pray blessing over them for Lee Bennett, Father. I Amen. just pray that your Holy Spirit would just come on him today, Father, that there would be uh, your work in that, in, that, in that group today. Things that are unexpected. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Love that church. Great prayer. All right. 
you remember what we said was, is that up to chapter, the end of chapter 8 in Luke was sort of a college experience for the disciples. We're saying that God disciples us in the same way he discipled them. So we're seeing how he discipled them to see how he disciples us. So the point is, is up to chapter 8, we had kind of a college-level experience, kind of old-school college. But, but the idea is it was a watch and learn. That's what college is. That's the kind of learning you do, right? You watch, you're taught, you're, and then you learn, and you regurgitate, and so on, right? But then you get to a master's level, and at a master's level, and that's where we hit at chapter 9, the beginning. At a master's level, what starts happening is, is that you start doing and learning now, you're still in classroom settings at times. You're still learning from, as opposed to doctorate, where you really are getting past all of that, right? But the point is, is when you're in the master's level, what you're doing is you're starting to really do hands-on stuff, and you're learning the, the greater and deeper way that we learn when we do hands-on. And so what we find at the beginning of Luke, chapter 9, is we find one day Jesus called together his 12 disciples, just the 12 now. This is not the 70 that will come later. But he calls together the 12 disciples and gives them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal diseases. And then he sent them out to tell everyone about this kingdom of God thing, this different dimension, this, right? This kingdom of God and to heal the sick, to demonstrate that this is what God wants to do. He wants to heal. Okay, and I don't just mean to heal from disease. It means body, soul, and spirit. It means to reconcile with them, right, ultimately. But healing is very much a part of something that people can see and then they start understanding and so on. Okay, so this is what he's doing at the beginning of his master's program. Now, other stories tell it better, but the bottom line is when they come back, what are they? They're over the moon. They're like, oh my gosh, this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. And they get back, and Jesus does this. When they return, they reported to Jesus all they had done, and he says, this is great. Let's go to a private place. You can rest, and we can talk about this and process it and do that, right? Now, on the way there and by boat... People realize where they're going. They want to be with Jesus, having fed them and so on. And they come around the lake, and they're waiting. And Jesus, seeing them, knowing that they're a sheep without a shepherd, filled with compassion, he ministers. And during that time, the disciples then, who despite the fact of being tired, they go ahead and do what Jesus is saying. And in so doing, they experience this incredible thing of feeding 5,000 with basically nothing. Okay, the multiplication of bread and so on. So this incredible thing takes place. Now, I want you to think of the 12 who are experiencing this feeding of 5,000. Two by two, they've experienced going out. But then they come back as a team, as a group of 12, and they're going to start experiencing more and more and more and more experiences that all 12 of them are together on, and it's quite clear that God is doing something with their small group. When well, you think of the 12 as a small Now when you do that, I want you to also do this. When you're in a master's level, when you're, when you're an undergraduate, you're just one of however many thousands of kids are coming in as freshmen, right? But when you go into a master's level program, almost every master's and doctorate will do this nowadays. They'll put you in a cohort. If it's a small enough class, the whole class is the cohort. If it's a larger class, then there'll be several different cohorts. Okay? But the point is, is they put you in with a group of people. Why? Two reasons. First one, you learn better when you're, when you're going through the learning with other people. When you're doing and you're learning and it's just you, you're learning. 
But when you're doing and you're learning, and I'm in cohort with you and 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 you, and there's 12 of us, and what we're doing is, is we're talking about what we're learning and we're processing what we saw. You have a very different perspective of life than I do, and you have a very different perspective than he does and that I do. And you see what I mean? And we all start bringing our very different perspectives and very different experiences and very different backgrounds into play in a way that the learning is infinitely greater, much deeper, right? So the first thing is you learn more. So when we do small groups, we want them to be something where they learn. And we want them to learn together in a way that they'll learn more. Because they're, it's not just listening to me. It's being able to process it in a group where everybody gets to talk and work through and process. And you get to know one another to the point that you know where they're coming from. So when they say things, there's more than just the information of what they've said. There's the person behind it. And you just learn more that way. But the second thing is, and the reason why the universities do this now, is because it turns out that fewer people will quit when they're in a cohort. Why? Because you're connected. <laughs> you know what I mean? And when you get to the point where you can't take it anymore and you want to quit, there's other people that call you up and say, hey, how can I help? You know, do you really want to do this? You know, maybe we can do this. And you see what I mean? And so it helps keep you in the game. And do remember Jesus says this at the end of the time with his small group. I have not lost one except the one that I knew from the beginning was none of us. Right? So I, I, I kept the small group together. They didn't bail. Can I just say something? That ought to be a pretty good evidence of something remarkable happening right there. How many times have you ever gotten into any kind of a group, particularly in a stressful environment that was causing and stretching you a lot, that at least one or two people don't drop out? When, when, in my, when I first went to law school, they, they, said, they said, we want you to do something. We want you to sit right here. We want you to look to your right and look to your left. And we want you to understand one of the three of you isn't going to be here at the end. Right? So he didn't lose any, despite the incredible things that happened in the stretch. I mean, their lives were threatened, under threat. They were scared, but they didn't give up. They stuck. Why? Well, because small groups work. So if we're doing this, if we're saying, what's the sort of surface level, the level at which most churches, most books, I've read I don't even know how many now, 20 books on how to do small groups. We've tried many different kinds of programs. And when we think of small groups until today, I think primarily what we think of is what are small groups about? Fellowship and learning, right? We want people to get relationally bonded and, and, and because they're going to grow together and they're going to learn something about the Bible or the book that they're reading and studying or whatever it is. They're going to grow some in learning and they're going to grow together relationally. That's what we think of and that's what we're trying to produce, promote, and do. But what if it turns out that there's actually, what if that's surface, important, we've we got to do that. But what if it turns out that there's something deeper, even more beautiful? What if it turns out, what are small groups really about, the way that God sees them? What if the first level of it is family? There's a saying that we say about family, you can pick your friends but not your family. You know what that means? I don't like my family very much, or at least a few of them, but I like these friends. You know, I, I pick these people because I like them, but these ones I'm kind of stuck with. That's what it means, right? But there is another saying that we say, which is kind of interesting in juxtaposition to that, which is blood's thicker than water. What does that one mean? It means I may not like them. It means we may even have significant issues and problems. 
We may have significant disagreements that separate us for years, but there's something about a family that when you look back, and you're not talking dysfunctional family. I'll get to that in a second. But you're talking about a healthy family. What'll happen is, when you look over the long haul, you'll see tremendous division. Separation geographically, division on ideas, division, you may have offended one another. There can be tremendous division in a family, but there's something that's always trying to bring you back together. You're a family. This idea that we're of the same blood and we're supposed to be figuring this out. And you'll, you'll hear story after story after story of people being in a family where there may be some tremendous divisions, but then there'll be these incredible reconciliations. You see movie after movie made about it, book after book written about it. Why? Because this is so important, so fundamental to us. When you are disconnected from your family, you feel disconnected from something critical. I want to say something to people who have experienced dysfunctional families in some major regard. Everybody needs to pay attention to what we're talking about here, but dysfunctional people, people from dysfunctional families, even more so. And here's why. When you think about what a healthy family is like due to movies and families that you've seen and just the thing that God does when he loves you, you, you can feel like, if, if, you're, if you know him and if you don't know him and you're here, welcome and it's great to have you here. But the point is, is when you feel God's love, you start understanding what it feels like to be in a family. But even then, until you actually are in a family that is functioning as a healthy, real family, as much as you can project what it's supposed to feel like, you can't actually experience the fullness of what God wants you to experience. And it turns out that God actually has something that he's doing for every person, no matter what biological family you come from. You're my brother. You're my sister. We are related by blood. Jesus Christ. And when he puts us into a family, when he puts us into a small group, he's trying to have you experience something that is so far beyond what I think the normal small group even considers itself to be about, right? I mean, it's just a small group, when we think about it, it's just some people that get together and they, for an hour or two and they really love each other and they're really connected and all that. But, you know, they are still separate. But what if we didn't think of it that way? What if we started thinking of our small group as our family? Right? This is something that God is trying to do. He's trying to teach us what family really looks like, what it really means. And by the way, the fact that you had a problem turns out to be the reason why you can get even closer. Always remember that Jesus, our creator, was killed by his creation. You can't get something worse than that. The creation killed the creator. And yet the way God works, that only was not a problem. It was the very thing that reconciled us into the depths of what he wanted us to be. It's, it's, like, it's like if you, you know, it, it, would, it would have been better if Adam and Eve had never separated themselves in the garden. Would it have been better? Better to have loved and lost or to have never loved at all. It turns out it's better to have loved and lost. It really does. 
Because you come into a depth of understanding when you have been separated from God and then you come back to him and you start feeling and you start understanding and you start understanding who you really are and the impulses that you take to separate yourself from and who he really is and the way that he loves you and the way that he loves you. And all of a sudden you start going after this and you start experiencing this. You come into a love that is way more, right? So family. And all that that means, and all the messiness of that. We say dysfunctional family. I say family. Every family has a certain amount of dysfunction. Some just get more. Right? Sorry if you did. But I got to tell you, there's a possibility, there's a thing that, it, that, that exists out there for you that is transcendent. So family. But there is something else, isn't there? There is, an, it's, there is a place where you can become closer than family. Let's say you're in a foxhole, right? And you're about to die. And then somehow you escape. The people that have gone through that experience are knit together in a way that seems to even be more connected than a family could be, doesn't it? Right? I mean, you see these guys getting together in ways and having charity for one another. And, and, and the, you know, I mean, when you've gone through certain experiences together, you come to a place to where all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, you don't understand. <laughs> you know, that's a friend. I'm sorry, nobody. That, that's a friend. <laughs> but this person, we're knit, we're connected. We went through something together, something incredibly important, something that totally transformed each of our lives, and it happened together. The disciples had this happen, didn't they? Do you remember, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do these out of order, so don't worry guys, I'm doing this, okay? When the 10 others heard about this, this is early on, but it's actually Matthew 20, so it's not so early, okay? But they've had a lot of experience, they've actually fed the 5,000 by this time, and James and John decide that, that they, are basically arguing and asking Jesus who gets to sit at his right hand, because it's got to be one of the two of them. Well, there are 12 people, and that's like the most prominent spot. And their mom's even involved. <laughs> She's even saying, hey, who, you know, make one of them sit at your right hand. Right? Now, look, when the 10 others heard that they were doing this, they lost their tempers, and they were thoroughly disgusted with the two brothers. <laughs> right? Right? You ever been that way? Right? Even somebody that you love, blah, 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 thoroughly discussed with you. So it's not like they didn't have disagreements and differences and so on. But the point is, is after Jesus dies, this small group not only survives the death, but it thrives in purpose. It had a purpose that was greater than the person that put it together. When a church puts together small groups, it's thinking about, listen to me, it's corporate. It's good for the corporation that there be small groups because people relationally bond and they'll grow and that's what we're trying to do and that's good. But what about being in a group where God has so taken over your life that the church being here and not doesn't matter a lick because God has that group on a journey. And that journey is not only surviving the impulse that put them together in the first place, it has a purpose that takes them way beyond anything anybody could have thought of in the beginning. <laughs> Are you starting to see something beautiful underneath? 
Are you starting to see a bigger picture about what God's trying to do in a small group? Because by the way, this is the small group he formed, and so the ones we form ought to look like those, shouldn't they? Shouldn't they have this kind of depth in them? To the point that these guys can come back later in the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. This is these 12 people that would get mad and disgusted with each other and so on. But now that Jesus' death and this is Acts and they're thriving and the 12 called a meeting of all the believers and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word, not running a food program. They weren't dismissing the importance of feeding the widows. They felt it was very important, so important that they say, brothers, like seven men who are well respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom do a really good job of caring for the widows. But can we do something? Us 12 have a certain thing that God has called us to and we need to stay constant concentrated on that and would you help with some of the other things so that we can do this see we will give them this responsibility then the apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word do you see the oneness that's in them in fact the fact that the original impulse died but they had this deeper purpose and they found it by God's leading made them a stronger group didn't it the original impulse going away is not a bad thing <laughs> the, I could say a lot of things about Kelly leaving, but that'll get me off track. What we're really talking about, it's not just a family that he wants. It's not just close to the family that he wants. He wants oneness. What's oneness? He says it here in his final prayer. I do not ask for these only, meaning the 12 and the 120 and the people that are with him in, when he's praying this prayer. This is right before, okay? I asked for this right before he's crucified. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us, okay? That they may all be one just as you, Father, and me and I knew. That they may have the same kind of oneness that the Trinity is experiencing. Is that closer than a family? Is that closer even than when you're closer than your brother and sister? This is something entirely different, isn't it? In fact, here's the irony of it. I just asked a question. What is it to be one versus, say, to just love? What is, what's the difference? Here's the answer. Nobody really knows what it is. Why? Because we're not experiencing it. <laughs> now, we're not not experiencing it because we taste it. You get into a group and something happens and God starts to move that group somewhere and something incredible starts to happen and you really start getting a hold of it and all of a sudden you start seeing yourself get knit to somebody else in a way that you go, wow, God is doing something. But you see, I think because we don't let God then keep doing that process. Don't, take, don't do what Kelly's doing. I've got a profitable ministry. This is good. This is enough. This is it. No, it's never it. It's always yet again. He's taking you on an infinite journey. And what he's trying to do is knit you together in a way that is closer than a foxhole. Closer than blood, closer than a foxhole. It's oneness. What is oneness? Do you experience that even with your spouse? You think you do when you first get together. And then you live together for a while and you realize, ah, you know, there's still two in here. Right? I'm telling you, I almost slay this before us as a challenge. I'm telling you that there's something deeper than God wants to do. He wants us to do one in the same way that it's three and one in the Trinity. He wants to make 12 and one be something. He wants it to become something. Now, 
we're almost, we're almost going to do something. We're almost going to, we're pretty deep level right there, right? I think we're at the bottom of the pond, right? I think we can see all the way to the bottom. I think we can see all the beauty in it, and we can see this depth and so on. But I, I want us to start feeling how we've been experiencing tastes of this and the closeness and the oneness and so on. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to have a little bit of a discussion. And, and in order to start this off, though, I need to tell you something. I've, I've put together small group programs, more than one. I've, uh, I've been in many different small groups. I've led many different small groups. I've been doing small groups for years and years. And last year, I entered into what turned out to be the very best small group that I've ever been a part of. And I have to tell you, it was transcendently better. And I want to tell you how good my other small groups were. There's people sitting in this church today that were in the small group that we formed back in L.A., which was years, more years than I can remember now. But that's how, we're all still very, very close. I've, I talk to the people in that small group on a fairly regular basis. That's how close we still are. And yet this one was even more than that. And here's why it was more than that. I want you to see something about, if you'll start thinking of a small group as a journey, and not just for teaching and fellowship, if you'll start thinking it as God gathering a group of people who have a purpose that they don't even have any awareness of, here's what happens. When I started this, what we called it, we called it last year, I think we called it, what do we call it? Uh, your first small group. And it was just for people that are new to the church, and it was a way of sort of communicating some DNA of the church along with looking at the sermons and just kind of helping people and so on. And when, when I first started this group, in my mind, what I thought was going to happen was that, you know, the, the standard sort of east side person that comes to the church, you know, they have a job and a career and a family and so on, and that they would come and get involved and, and that they would start learning what the church was, and that it would be just that kind of a group. And I was really looking forward to that. It would have been a perfectly wonderful group. But there is this other very cool thing that's happening at the church, which you've already seen today, which is Kelly Tompkins has raised up a, a, a group of people who are working through addictive issues, former recovery-type ministry-type stuff, and very successfully so. And these, are, these people have absolutely become friends, and I love them, and they're very much a part of the church, and there isn't any difference or anything else like that. But watch, because I need to get real for a second with you so that you can see what God did. So I need to share something that I'd prefer not to. Okay? When, the, when, when we started this group, and there were these people coming in career, and then Kelly started bringing people over from the recovery group. And that was not a problem. Don't misunderstand me at all. I didn't think that that was a problem. But think about the mindset of both the people coming in and the people that are there. Just think about who we really are, not who we'd like to be. Think about who we really are. Because those are two different groups. People that are dealing with recovery issues are, they need to get together in a group, and people that are in, in recovery groups, God bless them, because you know how much you need to be in that group, <laughs> right? You're already there, because you know how much hands are being lifted and learning is happening and all these wonderful things that God can do in that setting, right? But there is, you, you remember the story of the prostitute who came to the rich man's house, and she wept and and, did his, and kissed his feet, anointed his feet with tears and perfume and so on. You remember that part of that story was is that when she did that, she didn't feel, she knew that when she walked in that door, she was going to be judged. She felt, even before anybody had judged her, she knew that there was going to be a judgment, a difference. And sure enough, they fulfilled that, right? The Pharisee said, hey, what's he doing in here? Don't you know who this is? Now, I want you to understand that when 
the recovery people came into the small group, there's that mentality in them. There's something of that heart, right? Am I going to be judged here? Am I going to be accepted as a human being, or am I going to be put in a stereotyped class and judged and and people assume that they know me and so on. And I want to say, it's not just them that wanted that. The people who are over here not struggling with recovery, and this is such a big issue with them, can they handle being in a group where a lot of that, is, a lot of that dialogue is taking place? In other words, let me make it plain. Can people who think they don't have a problem reduce themselves to the problem where they know that they do have a problem, and they'll enter into a discussion with people that are already dealing with some other problems? You see what I'm saying? Will people get rid of, in other words, the walls, the categorizations, the judgments? Will they? I know the answer. They will. And not only will they. You guys know, and I want you to stand up and talk about it here in just a second. I'm, Tom's going to talk first, but I got to tell you, uh, <laughs> I couldn't wait. <laughs> I couldn't wait. Every night was different. <laughs> Whatever it was that we had planned, <laughs> that was like, you just walked in with a plan, but you didn't give a rip about that because what God was going to do. And whatever he was going to do, I mean, I fell in love with people in ways I didn't know. I, I'm a pretty loving guy, <laughs> right? And I mean, I just fell in love with, and it wasn't just the recovery, it was everybody in that group, and just the heart, and the thing, I'm telling you, I want to use the word magic, except that that's not God, so I'm going to use the word that it really is, which was anointing. God was touching us, and he was showing us what he wants people to do, which is to just, just get rid of all of that crap that separates us, so that we can actually hear a person's heart and story fresh and real without any categorizations or any of this you can hear it for what it is that human being's experience of life and I'm telling you you hear somebody's story like that you can't help but fall in love with them and we were getting that night after night after night after night and it was awesome so I've, I said it already, we're going to have a little moment here, and what I'm going to want you to do is, I want you to talk about this, you know, your story of small groups. If it's a small group that was here, that's great, please talk about it. I am going to need each small group leader, each, or somebody from each small group to talk so that we can kind of show people who's in that group and so on. There's a little bit of that, just information that we're going to do. But really what I want us to do is, I want us to talk about what God can do in a small group, what God has done so that it casts some vision. We're going to do this for about 10 minutes or so, and that's not enough time, but, but we're going to do it. So, Tom, where are you? Just stand up wherever you are. Are you here? Where is he? Oh, there he is. Could you catch him? Yeah. Now, Tom, that group that we had got up to about 50 people, and so we did form two different groups, and there's one that still meets at the church, and it meets at Wednesday night at what time, Tom? We, uh, our group starts at 7 o'clock. Okay. We meet here at 7 o'clock, room and, 205 and I want, I want just some of the people that are in that group, would you just stand up? Murray's help lead it. You guys help lead it. Go ahead and stand up. Just so you can kind of see who's in this group. There's several other people, but okay. All right. So go ahead. There's uh, people trying to get other people to stand up, but okay. So Tom, go ahead. Just talk about what happened in, in this group last year. Um, we kind of get together. We meet at 7 o'clock, room 205 upstairs. Now, not the group now. I want to talk about what happened last year. Last year? Yeah. Um, you want me to share about myself? <laughs> yeah. I what really you, want you to share about yourself. You have some amazing stories what, about that group. What this did for me, I came to Washington uh, 
to come up here and go to work and pay my bills and try to be responsible. And uh, things weren't turning out very well. Um, I ended up being pulled over to this church for some reason. <laughs> and, and I was introduced to Kelly. And uh, Kelly invited me up to this group. And when I came up to that group, I, recently I've just been told I was a very grouchy person when I came up there. <laughs> we didn't notice. <laughs> I didn't see it. You know, um, the amazing thing that has happened for me is, is the changes uh, that I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of. I wasn't aware of what was going on inside of me. And, it, and it's things that have people, other people have been pointing out to me. And now I'm starting to see it. Um, and, I, and now I know why. You know, there, there are other people that, uh, that need help. That maybe there's, there's only something that I can say that's going to reach them. And, we, um, I, I want you to just, we had miracles. Uh, I don't know if we can do it, but, you know, with the job and all that. Well, I want to I I start off with, you know, when, when I first came to that group, I had a, a, a very serious issue trusting God. Yeah. I had no trust for him. I knew he was there. I just didn't, uh, I didn't trust And he him. shared that openly. And, you know, and, and I remember I had tears coming down my face when I, when I was yeah. sharing this uh, my first night in the group. I just broke down. And um, yeah. uh, there, there were things that were going on that uh, have gone away. And it's due to the, the change in trust. And I, I know now why, why God has, has done what he's done in my life. Yeah. You know, um, I can't teach somebody if I don't trust him. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm going to share something with somebody else about him, I better know what I'm talking about. And now I can see what's going on in my life. Yeah. You know, it, it's Tom like putting those glasses on. It's like putting those glasses on. Yeah. Tom came up to me at one point in time, and it was, you know, the difference between who he first came as, and this was, this was just a month or so ago now. And Tom came up, and something was happening. I don't even remember what it was. But you just broke down and started crying, and you said, this is my family now. I've never yeah. had family. This has become my family. You know, these are, I'm experiencing what I always wanted in my life. And it was just so, I, I love you, Tom. I'm, just because of time, we're going to move on. But thank you. Okay, that's a Wednesday night group. I want you thank to you do something. Do you want to say something? Okay. I want you to do something. Pick up this brochure and look in it as we're going to each one of these groups. Because you'll see on Wednesday, uh, where am I? Uh, da -da -da -da, Murray Campbell small group. That's the one that they were just talking about. At the end of the service, the leader and the host or somebody from the group, we're going to ask them to go to the back. And you've seen them now. And then people will just come to you. But I want to go to you, Curtains. I, I want you guys to talk about it. And Tammy, you too. So this is the other group that came out of that group. Go ahead, Rick and Jean. Uh, right back here on that side. You see them? Yeah. And this is, this is the one that is now on Thursday night. So Curtain Trite Small Group. Okay, go ahead. So we started coming to uh, the church uh, and... I personally was kind of uh, uh, pretty skeptical about any organized churches anymore. <laughs> uh, I'd gotten uh, kind of fried out there, and I let it happen to myself. I'm not blaming anyone. Uh, but uh, just coming here to start with was difficult, and then deciding to go to a small group uh, was uh, that much more difficult. 
but decided to do it because uh, my heart started to get opened by what I was hearing here and the transparency that's part of this place. And um, so we started going, uh, my wife Jean and I, and, uh, and as things progressed, uh, we did see sort of a shift in the uh, people who were uh, attending. And I think that what really uh, struck me and was extremely powerful was the uh, amazing transparency and openness of people in the group. And uh, what I realized was that it, it brought to light a very uh, stark contrast between my upbringing, which was, you know, everything in order, you know, a uh, very conservative uh, church upbringing, and just everything out in the open, not hiding anything, everything open to discussion, uh, all emotions uh, laid bare, willing to discuss anything, and it just like took the veneer off of what my comfortable, you know, I had, an, I, I mean, I knew, I knew of this experience and had experiences where I was interacting with people, but for me, it was like uh, a, a huge breath of fresh air uh, because it's so real, it was so real yeah. that, um, uh, that it started to challenge me in, in ways that I don't think I've ever been challenged because uh, especially with uh, the folks who were there who were struggling with recovery and it made me realize again there is no difference between uh, me or any of us in the group and anyone else in the group. We all have the same exact same challenges whether you know they may look different uh, on the outside but the core issues are really the same. And I was so challenged to, uh, to just let God take the uh, stuff um, that, that I was dealing with and, and uh, enter into um, saying yes when I would hear him speak to me because of the simplest things that were shared in this group about yeah. somebody who was struggling to live. Uh, and I mean to live to stay alive. Yeah. And uh, so... I, I want to say, I think that the pattern that's set in a recovery group of being transparent and open really helped because it just, we were doing that anyway, but it really took it to a whole other level. So I just want to say thank you to the guys that were doing that. Gene, I'd love for you to just stand up and talk for a quick second, okay? No, you don't have to. You don't have to. I just love your heart. Um, one of the things that was really has been just awesome for us, and it was really hard to, to take this big group and split it because of, because of what God had built and what he did on Wednesday nights and the, and the hearts that he knit together with, with people. That was hard to split that yeah. um, because the... Uh, we came pretty broken um, ourselves. And he used people, the, probably more the, the ones that we thought would be more the least likely to heal us. And yeah. we're just grateful for that. Yeah. Tammy, do you want to say something? You don't have to, but you can. Um, I'll just say uh, that um, for me, I kind of came from a similar place where I hadn't been in a church for a while just because of past experience and um, 
you know, I think it was my third week in the small group, my fourth week at church, um, that Kurt was like, hey, I'm going out of town. Can you lead the group next week? I was like, all right. I could, you know, have really terrible theology, but you don't know. Um, but it was just that, <laughs> it was just that uh, trust and openness and, um, and just the ability to, uh, to really connect with a whole bunch of people who came from very different places, uh, economically from people who were homeless to people who were doing very well and had really nice houses to, uh, you know, just ethnic diversity, you know, age, everything. everything. And, and yeah, it was a very, um, I mean, I think that's the thing, even in family, right, you have the different generations. I think that's, that's the thing that really helped was because, you know, one person might be struggling with something that was new to them, but somebody else had been through for years. And so Amen. it was just, it was just great. So, yeah, uh, yeah small groups, join one. Go Hawks. theology is incredibly solid, by the way. <laughs> All right. Let me, just because I need to move on and capture a few more groups before we wrap up, uh, I want to say uh, there's another group that's in here, and it's on Tuesday night, if you'd look in your packets, and it says New to Lake Sam Small Group. That's the one that we're going to do, and I trust that the Lord is going to do a new thing this year, okay? So I highly encourage anybody who's here and they're new to the church, you haven't been in a small group, even if you've been at the church for a little while, but you haven't been in a small group, come to this one first. Okay, this is a really great place. We do a lot of DNA stuff where we, we look at what Lake Sam is about and why and so on. And then we do other things too. And that's going to be Tuesday nights at 6.30. Okay, we're just going to try it on that new night. All right, I, Thorson's group is one of the just remarkable groups that's been around for a long time. Do you guys, did you guys already identify somebody to talk? Okay, great, thanks. Yeah, you... Okay, go ahead and stand up. If you're in the Thorson's group, stand up so that if you say, oh, I know that person, and then maybe I'd get with them. Okay, you see this? Okay. Anybody else? All right. Okay. Go ahead. Thank All right. you. So go ahead. Okay, we have a new name for our group. We're, we don't want to be called the Thorson group I anymore, know. I apologize. Right, well, that's okay. You guys have tried to we'll get me to stop that. doing it forever, yeah. and I know it's, it's so yeah. egalitarian. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's cool. Um, our group has been together for 10 or 12 years, and... Um, kind of your typical fellowship. We get together and we have a time of worship and we uh, read God's word and we have some prayer time. Um, we pick a book of the New Testament or the Old Testament. Sometimes we do a, a, a book study. And um, the prayer time has been probably our, our time of really deepening our relationships. Uh, we've prayed people through divorce and serious health issues and child rearing and um, you know just some joblessness but this past year maybe two years we've really been thinking about what really should we be doing in our home fellowship besides you know when you think of it it's kind of serving ourselves and so more and more the Lord has been laying on our heart as a group to do more outreach. You know, it's, yeah. it's good to get together and, and build ourselves up, but our purpose really needs to be applying what we're learning, applying what we're, we're bringing in, and then go outward. So our, our group is going to be called SALT, which means serving and living in truth. So we've already done a couple um, service projects, mm -hmm. and this is going to be the focus of our group is not only... Um, learning from God's word, but also how can we apply this 
to serve others. Now I want to say, this is a perfect example of what this sermon was about. How in the end did the disciples get to the closest that they got to? How? Was it just getting together once a week for an hour or two and sharing some food and having a little fellowship and then going away? No, what they started doing was God was having them do all sorts of ministry. He was having them do all sorts of things. I have to tell you, this group, you know, one of the first things they did as an outreach is they went to the backyard of this church, which has always been sort of a no man's land, and they cleaned it up and made it look really pretty and, and bought new picnic tables back there that don't put splinters in your rear end. And, and they made this thing absolutely wonderful. And when I think about what God's trying to do in terms of a journey in a group, these guys are experiencing it. I really think that as they've been together and walked through major, major life situations, I mean, the stories that you could tell of the illnesses and the family stuff and everything, it's an unbelievable what a group and support and the things that God has already done, but now you're getting to this place to where it's going to the next level and the next level. And, and that's why, again, what I want us to do is put into our heads, a small group is about a journey. Where is God taking us? What's he doing with us? And let the journey happen, not just the small group surfacey stuff. See? Now, go ahead. I need to keep it fairly short because I'm, okay. Yeah, I, but I, uh, Oh, I oh just, Doug, great. I just have a couple of brief things that I wanted to add to what okay. Courtney said. And uh, um, there were three points that I wanted to make. Uh, one is that uh, I, I just bear testimony to what you said, is that uh, we share the leadership of the study throughout yes. the groups that different people lead. But when I prepare the study, I go through and I learn so much as I'm preparing it. Yeah. But when you come out of that group, you have learned so much more from what everybody else has said. And, yeah. and even from your sermons. We learn a lot from the sermons. But yeah. when you're in a group, it's like I learn tenfold of what I do studying alone. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. The second thing is that uh, as far as getting involved in a small group, you know, it, it does take uh, you, that willingness to take the first step and to actually step forward and do it. And you're busy and you're tired. But every Friday, our group meets on Friday. Every Friday I'm tired. And every time I step into that group, I go in worn out from the week. And every time I step out two hours later, I am just so energized and so refreshed. So, yeah. you know, when you, when you feel like you can't do it, just realize that's where God's power is. That's where he Amen. rejuvenates it. That's where you plug in. That's where you Amen. get strengthened again. Uh, and then the last thing was just, you know, I talk to a lot of people about why they come to Lake Sam, and they say it's because it's a family. So you're talking about family. This, people look around, and, and this is a family. This, it's a big family. But that's why a lot of people are here. But in the small group, and I'm going to point to this empty chair, just because I don't want to point to anybody, but it's like I may know somebody, just know that they're, they're that's right face, but I don't know them closely. That's when right. I have a challenge, I know that I can ask Joan to pray for me. When I need help, I know that Rob will, and Rosalie will be there. Amen. When they need me, they know they can contact me. Yeah. The small groups give you a deeper connection and a deeper yeah. sense of family and, and yeah. what you came to Lake Sam for. Yeah. It gives you that in kind of increased capacity. So that's, I just wanted to, to, to make testimony of those three. Amen. I want Doug and Courtney, I want you both to preach. I'm going to have to do something. I really, the Seahawks are playing the Broncos shortly. <laughs> And maybe go Broncos, too. Uh, 
I need to go through this because we need to, we need to release. And I may have, as I, I, if I come across something, I may get one or two more testimonies. So we just got to do it. Adult Life Recovery Group, this is the group that we were talking about with Kelly. Okay? That is a phenomenal group. God's anointing and blessing and profit has been on that group since day one, and it is amazing. Uh, the Knitting Group, I love this one. This is Kimberly Jackson. Kimberly, just stand up. Where are you? She's at her mom's. Is she in Yakima today? Okay. I want her to stand up because when you look at Kimberly, you just say, that's somebody I want to be with. <laughs> okay? She's just amazing. Just this energy. She just vibrates. Okay? All right. Men's 33. We've already talked about that one. And by the way, I would say due to Men's 33 and a small group because Men's 33 is just once a month. Uh, Wednesday is Club 456, and that's grades 4 through six, which is, thank you, JJ and the people that do that. College group, we don't have a college group right now. We've always had a college group, and then we, but what we do around here is, is as long as there's somebody stepping up to do it, we do it. If nobody steps up to do it, we wait for God to bring the person that's supposed to be doing it. We don't push things, and we don't do something just because you're supposed to be doing it. We do something that God's anointing to do, and we wait on people, right? So I'm telling you, college people, would you do me a favor? If you want to form a group and if you're interested in serving, either one of those two things, fill out your Connect card, Put it in the offering in a moment and say, I'm interested in there being a college group. And if you're interested in leading it, do that. We want to know who you are. We're going to get you together, talk about it, see what God might do there. Okay? Hearing God small group. This is the one Jesse was leading last year. Joel, you're leading it this year. God did. Again, I'm so sorry we didn't get to more stories on this because that was an amazing group, again, in what God did. Uh, but Joel and Hannah, you guys stand up just so people can see you. And who's in that group? Stand up again so that people can see who's in that group so that you can say, oh, I like them. I know them. I can get involved with them. Okay? Okay. All right. So are you going to Thursdays? Okay, so change that to Thursday. Okay, Overflow Youth Group, that's our youth group that happens. The Women's Bible Studies, you've heard about those. Uh, they are awesome. Please get involved in them. The Women's Home Bible Study, this is uh, Sandy Campbell. Oh, this is a new group. Sandy, where are you? Sandy, stand up. Okay, is there anybody who's already signed up to be in this group? Who's already in this group? Okay. There's about eight ladies already. Okay. Uh, there's so much to learn from that woman right there. There's so much that she has to offer. I am so excited about the fact that you stepped up and said this. And you've already got about eight ladies, so she'll be in the back if you want to do that. Uh, all right? Inductive Bible study. This is the one, Faith and Byron's. Are Byron's here? I see Mike. So Mike, stand up. And Faith, are you in here? Faith in L.A. Okay. But, but this one starts. By the way, all of these groups are starting this week. Okay. So this is the inductive Bible study, and this is, Mike, could you just give him two seconds to just promote this, okay? Um, what to say? Everybody's talked a lot about relationships. This is really going to be focused on the word. We're, yeah. Faith and I are going to, you know, there is no material or book that we're reading. We're going to sit down with the Psalms, starting with Psalm 1, and uh, do what's called an inductive study, which means you sit down with the Word, step by step, look at it. If you're feeling like you really want to hear more from God, you really want to get focused or soak into the Word, 
come. As I've been listening to all of this, I've been going, oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to do that. And what I would really challenge you to do is listen to God and go as Kurt's been saying all, all uh, morning. Do what he's calling you to do. If it's to soak in the word, Faith and I will be there to if lead you, a bit. If you read the Bible and you just have a problem of it coming alive to you, this is where you want to be. Okay? I'm telling you that they'll go into the Word in such a way as that for the rest of your life, when you read the Word, it'll be alive to you. Okay? This is going to be a great group. Mike is going to be back there. I just can't. I'm sorry. You've got to keep it really short. Two of my favorite people ever in my life, the Millers. You guys, have, If you're part of the Millers small group, that has been an amazing small group. Stand up, would you please? Okay? This is another group that the people who are in this group have gone through life together for years in ways that are just incredibly dramatic. So thank you. Okay, just real quick. We started out as the new to Lake Sam group That's exactly right. by Roger Maddox. That's and right. it evolved into not so new to Lake Sam <laughs> into a bunch of things. I mean, we've done a lot of different things. And we decided this Thursday, past Thursday night, we now have a new name. It's the Rabbit Trail Group. Because <laughs> we start out with, a, we're, doing, we're doing Luke, oh no, Matthew, Matthew. And we may get through one or two verses, but it always ends up going somewhere where I believe our group really needs to go for that week. So. This is a truly spirit-led group. God really leads this group. Amen. Okay? If you know the Millers, that's how they live their life, and it comes through. And it's not just the Millers that lead it. It's, they do a thing. Again, all of our groups really strive ultimately for everybody in the group to be doing a thing. Now, at this point in time, I really have to just move on. So there's the men's Bible study that's at Rich Bixby's. Uh, so that's on Friday mornings, and then there's been 33 uh, monthly meeting. Okay, I'm just, I'm calling it, okay? Uh, I, I don't know what to even do. I don't, I, we're not going to, we're just going to do communion and offering and thank you for the final song, but we're not going to do it because I want to release. This is, you know, if we release now, we're okay. If we release any later, we're not. Uh, I do want to make you one, one deal, Okay. I want you to take your packets, prepare your offering, and drop it in the bucket if, you've got, if you want to be part of a group. But you can also just go back to the persons that are in the back there and give them the card. Say, I'd like to try it. Now, here's the pack I'm making with everybody here, okay? Try a group. You can go two, three times and then decide it's not actually the place that God wanted you. We don't judge for that. We will not judge you for that. We want you to be in the group that God wants you to be in, and oftentimes that takes more than one shot, okay? So I know that's very difficult for people to do. They feel like people are going to feel like you don't like them and so on. It's not about that. It's about where God wants you to be. And if this, the group that you go to is home, then you stay. If it's not home, go find home. That's what we care about. Okay? And so you'll have this brochure. It'll always be available. It'll be on the website and so on. And we just want you to try out a few and do what you need to do in order to find that place that God has you. So, Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we come before your throne. I want to thank you, God, that there were a lot of stories that we heard and that we hadn't even begun to scratch the surface because you have taken us so much deeper than just the surface. You have shown us the beauty you have shown us new things. And today I think that you cast vision for something yet even deeper, something that groups that have been around for a long time are already moving towards. And that is to really start to understand that when we're in a group, we're on a journey with you. And that you are taking us someplace extraordinary, someplace we could never have imagined, but that will completely transform all of our lives. 
you want to take us someplace that you know about and we don't. And so I'm asking you, Lord, don't let anybody who's supposed to be in a group here do anything but get involved and try it out and let them get connected quickly and let this growth thing start happening and let all of us take on these polarized lenses to see things the way that you do so that we start becoming ever more who you want us to be. Thank you, God. It is marvelous and beautiful. It is incredible and rich. We take communion now to seal this. And in that bottom, just reach down in front of you, there's two cups. In that bottom cup is the one that has the bread in it. And we recognize, God, that because we've looked at things superficially, we've actually not experienced the fullness of any of the things that you have for us. We've always skimmed the surface. And we now know that that actually breaks our lives. That that actually causes us to be stunted in our growth. That it doesn't allow us to see the beauty and the glory that you have. So knowing that we have not gotten there and knowing that you're the one that on the cross healed us from all of the things that we've fallen short and not measured and etc., we take our finger and we put it in this cup and we break that bread. And what we say is, is by your stripes we've been healed. That by what you did on the cross, you have restored and healed and made us one. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, we take this body together to become one. Thank you, Lord. Now, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we lift this cup in which is your blood. That blood shared, shed for us 2,000 years ago. And we remind ourselves of something important. After The minute that you shed that blood, you said right before that, it is finished. And you meant by that not just your life, but you meant every single thing that ever needed to be done for us to move into all the fullness that you would ever have for anyone was accomplished completely right there at that cross, right there at that moment. And so when we take this cup together, what we take it to mean and to say is, is that you've already made this life for me. I just have yet to discover the fullness of it. And so we take this cup saying, help me discover the fullness of it. In Jesus' holy and precious name, take this cup together. Now we're going to take an offering, so please come forward, ushers. Thank you. Put your Connect card in it or save it to give to the guys. 